following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? When the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white? Pure and white in the blood of the Lamb. Will your soul be ready for the mansion bright? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, sin-destroying power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. We are going to go into deep water today. We're going to deal with the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what is now preventing the gospel from changing men's lives. And the result is a sentimental, entertainment-fueled church filled with darkness in America, the very heart of what God wants to use to reach the world is now unavailable to him. This is terrifying to me. It's terrifying what I see happening in the American church and in the lives of the American church people whom God loves. He died for them. So let's begin today I'm going to open by reading a fair amount of scripture. I want you to listen carefully. The Gospel of John, I begin with verse 9. The Gospel of John, I begin with verse 9. The true light, 
who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. Now today, the same thing is happening all over again in America. Jesus is coming to his own. He is the true light Always darkness is described as sin in Scripture. He is the true light. He is coming into the world through evangelism, through the proclamation of the Word, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And He has given to every person the right to be a child of God to those who will believe in his name who were born not of the blood or the will of the flesh or of the will of men. In other words, to those who are not born out of human sentimentalism or human theology, but those who are truly crucified with Christ and transformed into a new creature, these he has given the privilege of becoming the children of God. Now, the problem we're facing is that most Christians in America are not children of God because they still walk in darkness. Now, let's go to again in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but have the light of life. Remember, in Scripture, darkness is always sin. Light is always righteousness. So Jesus is saying, anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, never walk in like the son of the devil never walk in sin now verse 21 then he said to them again I'm going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin where I'm going you cannot come These are Jewish people he's speaking to. These are his people. If Jesus were to come today and stand in most churches in America, he would say to them, I am going away, you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. And where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said to him, he won't kill himself, will he, since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. And Jesus answers, and he says, You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. 
Therefore, I told you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So it's very clear. There is a belief. There is an understanding about what Jesus did for us that causes us not to die in our sin. And if this work is not done in us by the blood of Jesus Christ, we will die in our sin. And they say, who are you? He answers precisely what I've been telling you from the very beginning. I have, verse 26, many things to say and to judge about you. But the one who sent me is true. And what I've heard from him, these things I tell the world. They did not know he was speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. And I will do nothing of my own, but just as the Father taught me. I say these things. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone because I always do what pleases him. And he was, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, what did they need to be set free of? Walking in darkness. Walking in sin. Verse 33, We are descendants, they said, of Abraham, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? Jesus responded, I assure you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. Therefore, if the son sets you free, you really will be free. I know you are descendants of Abraham, but you are trying to kill me because my word is not welcome among you. I speak what I have seen in the presence of the Father. Therefore, you do what you have heard from your father. Well, our father is Abraham, they replied. If you were Abraham's children, Jesus told them, you would do what Abraham did. But now you're trying to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You are doing what your father does. Now, if you continue reading, you will find that Jesus will say to them, your father is the devil. Now, let's be clear. I know this is cutting directly across what you have been taught from childhood, from infancy. You've been taught a false gospel. You've been taught a gospel that does not remove your sin, but allows you to remain in the sinful state. And of course, come on, 
If you can continue to walk in your flesh, continue to walk in your sin, and still claim that you're saved, you have the best of both worlds. You can't have the best of both worlds. Either your father is God or your father is the devil. If you walk in sin, your father is the devil. Now, you can be a very religious devil, but you're still of the devil. Now, let's bring this directly home to the work of evangelism. Jesus gave us a great commission. And then in Matthew 24, he tells us that there will be a final cry that will go out over the face of the earth just prior to his coming. We're told that the glory of the latter temple will be greater than the first. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. How could the the glory of this latter temple be greater than the New Testament church? For the first 200 years, it is very clear from the church fathers, from the apostles, and from Jesus, the first 200 years of the Christian church, the belief was firmly established. It was unquestioned that you must leave your sin and walk without sin in order to be saved. This was clearly understood. But we are the children of a modern age of heresy. If the church is ever to deliver a saving message to the billions on this planet today that have never heard the name of Jesus, it is absolutely critical that we get it right about who Jesus is and what his work is and what he expects to have happen in the life of a believer. It is critical that we as the church think rightly about the work of Jesus on Calvary's cross, what he did there in atonement, and what he did in providing salvation from sin. And so I'm going to focus very sharply on the work of Christ in salvation. The basic thrust of what I'm going to teach you today is to show that the blood atonement of Jesus Christ has prevailed and the power to restore fallen mankind to the image of God in true knowledge, righteousness, and holiness is ours in Jesus Christ. There is absolutely no provision in the atonement of Jesus for a sinning religion. The opposite is the case. Now, nearly 2,000 years have passed since the Savior delivered the Great Commission to the church. This past Sunday, I spoke to the congregation and to the children about Magdala. I stood in Magdala on the main street. It was discovered seven years ago as a Christian organization tried to build a retreat center on the Sea of Galilee. Now, they built it quite a distance from the Sea of Galilee, but you could still see clearly the Sea of Galilee. 
what they were not cognizant of, and now it's very clear. Researchers have discovered that the Sea of Galilee, through a series of earthquakes, has dropped its level by 18 feet. So, as they began to dig, they had to call an archaeologist for one plot of ground. Every plot of ground has to have an archaeologist from the Israeli government come and do a dig, or they're not allowed to build. Well, they kicked up the dirt, and two feet down, they found Magdala. Not only that, they found a synagogue. A synagogue, only one of seven, only one of seven from Jesus' day. It was beautiful. Jesus taught there. It's hard to get back 2,000 years because everywhere in Israel they continued building and so the tells grew. Everything was covered over as earthquakes shook everything down. The dust and debris covered it, the dirt they built on top of it. Then it was shaken and knocked down and then they built on top of that. So you have the the Greek, the Roman, the Byzantine. You have each one with different building styles. So to get back 2,000 years is not easy. So I stood in Magdala. I looked with tears in my eyes at this synagogue where Jesus actually taught. And of course, you know who came from there, Mary of Magdalene. It was a port because the water was 18 feet higher. It came right up to Magdala. It was a fishing port where the disciples brought their fish for processing. And suddenly I'm standing in the main street of Magdala and I'm recognizing in this place the disciples came and did business. They sold their fish. The fish was processed and it was sent to Rome. It was a very profitable business. James and John, Peter, they were all in the fishing business. And they all came to Magdala to sell their fish. And the fish ended up in Rome. They made good money. Well, it's been nearly 2,000 years since Jesus gave his great commission. And it's very hard to kick back the dirt of Scripture where everyone has overlaid it with their wicked beliefs. They have built after the Hellenistic world. They've built after the Roman world. They've built after the Byzantine world. And now they have built after Western American values and beliefs. So everybody has their opinion. Please, today, may we kick back the dirt and find the essence of what Jesus Christ was trying to say to us. The gospel has lost its power to change the lives of men and women in America. Anyone who doubts that has not looked at the research that's been done by Focus on the Family, Barna, It's very clear that Disney World's new movie, Beauty and the Beast, 
They're now saying it's going to bring in a billion dollars in profit. Well, how's that possible if many, many thousands, millions of Christians did not go to see that movie? Well, they did. I've talked to many of them. And I've said to them, did the movie bring you to the heart of Jesus? Well, no, it didn't. The beast was a symbol of the devil with horns. Oh, so you went and watched a movie that filled your heart with the presence of demonic power and then was transformed into a a wonderful angel of light and you liked it. It was entertaining to you. Well, believe me, Disney World is prophesying about what's happening in America. The beast power is rising. It's going to transform into an angel of light. And we have been prepared by the surprising Antichrist. The doctrine of devils, the doctrine of demons, that you can walk in your sin and walk in Jesus at the same time. This is horrendous. We have gone backward rather than forward in the work of evangelism in America and on the continents of the earth, in the islands and the seas. Why are unreached, untold, continuously multiplying men and women and boys and girls Why is it now there are more on the earth who have never heard of Jesus than any time in the history of the Christian church? We have pastors who are better educated, who are better paid. We have huge buildings. We have increasingly large budgets for radio and television. And yet we're not even beginning to get the job done. Now, please, it's not the cults that have paralyzed the church. The Mormons have not paralyzed the Christian church. The Jehovah Witnesses have not paralyzed the Christian church. May I say it? Allah has not paralyzed the Christian church. Buddha has not paralyzed the Christian church. It's the lying teachers that have mishandled the scriptures that have paralyzed the church. Please, if I may be so blunt, the Max Licatos. I could name a whole number of them who come with their sweet, sentimental, false grace message that soothe the hearts of pagan men and women and spray paint them with Jesus on the outside and deny to their believers, deny to their followers that they can be transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. They preach a lie. It is of critical essence to the mission of the church for Jesus that its recognized leaders not degrade the shed blood of Jesus by teaching that it does not have the power to redeem from all sin right now. 
It is of utmost importance that we not teach the lie of irresistible grace in which it's impossible for any of the elect to be lost, regardless of how they live. I heard one famous radio teacher saying, once you're in the family of God, you're in the family of God. He will never kick you out of his family. That is a humanistic philosophy from the side of darkness and not from the side of righteousness. It's time we call it straight. I'm tired of the lies of the modern Christian church that teach that Jesus did not give us the power to leave the darkness, but we must walk in the darkness all the days of our life, and that when we die, suddenly we can enter the light. In other words, death is their Savior, not Jesus Christ. I get angry in my heart when I see the blood of Jesus Christ being degraded and cast down and treated as of non-effect. The theory that Jesus Christ paid for them the price on Calvary's cross. And now they can live any way they want to live. And Jesus will not judge them. He said very clearly in the passage I just read from John, you will die in your sins because your father is the devil. If you continue to walk in your sin, your father is the devil, regardless of how religious you are if your heart is for the entertainment of the world the sports of the world the ambitions and the lifestyle of the world if your heart is to live the wonderful comfortable american life and not deny yourself and take up your cross and follow jesus you are destined to die in your sins. Somebody recently said, I don't want to listen to that Pastor Ray Greenley anymore. He upsets me by what he says. Oh, the modern church wants it smooth and easy. The modern church wants to be able to live in their sin, and they want their pastors to come and crack jokes. They want to have a wonderful social life. They want to be entertained. They want to have a little emotion. They want to cry a little bit. They want to laugh a little bit, and they want to leave the service with a successful strategy for how they can go out and win all that their heart desires in the world. What ugly, ugly, worldly love of darkness we have adopted in our American church. Now I speak as a pastor who has sinned right along with everyone else. And it was only by the grace of God he showed me my, my wickedness and called me out of that modern wicked church. So I don't speak in any way to be judgmental. I speak with a broken heart. I'm nobody. I'm the least of all of God's people. I have no place of standing. I have no importance. All I have is the word of God. And I read it and 
I read it and I read it and I weep over it and I see how drastic is the separation between the 2,000-year-old gospel of Jesus Christ and the gospel of the modern church. The belief that Jesus Christ died for every son and daughter of Adam's fallen race has been denied. The power of the blood of Jesus has been denied. It has been denied that sin separates the believer from God. The heirs of the modern church have stripped the faith of Jesus Christ with respect to vital aspects of Christ's work on the cross. It therefore suffers the deficiency of the cardinal Christian elements that can transform a sinner into a saint. The medicine has been so diluted and corrupted, it no longer has the power to change a man from a sinner to a saint. It is the same now as any other heathen philosophy or religion. Now let me make a very bold statement to you. The Christian church has more in common with Buddhism than it does with classic Christianity. If you were to speak to the men and women who are dying for the faith in China, they would tell you without question, if you're going to follow Jesus, you have to be willing to lay your life down and you have to be transformed into a new person. You cannot suffer in the punishments of prison where you're beaten and raped and murdered. You cannot go through that and not be washed in the blood of Jesus and transformed into a new person. It is absolutely tragic that the false teachers have paralyzed the faith of so many of God's children. Many of you have been taught to live in the seventh chapter of the book of Romans groaning i am carnal i am sold under sin for that which i do i allow not for what i would i do not do but what i hate that i do for the good that is that i would do i do not but the evil which i would not that i do i am filled i am find then a law that when i would do good evil is present with me for i delight in the law of god after the inward man but i see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity the law of sin which is in my members o oh, wretched man that i am who shall deliver me from the body of death and i see in the christian church a miserable people a wretched people who cover it over with worldly entertainment and pursuing darkness. But I want to tell you that the gospel that the Apostle Paul taught does not end at Romans 7.25. 
but rather it reaches its climax in Romans 8, verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus freed me from the law of sin and death. Romans 7 does not teach us that as Christians we must groan over our sin. It teaches us that Jesus Christ will deliver us from all sin. The Apostle Paul does not profess himself actually a carnal man in Romans 7.14 any more than he professes himself a liar in Romans 3, 7, or James, a cursor in James 3, 9. There is no such thing as a sinning Christian in Scripture, any more than there is a truthful liar or a sober drunkard or a gentle tyrant. These are absurdities. God does not deal in absurdities. If the church is to ever, ever carry out the Great Commission, we must get back to basic 2,000-year-old biblical truths and the holiness of a godly life found in the blood of Jesus Christ. Salvation is freedom from sin we must look very clearly at the glory and the excellency of Jesus Christ he was exalted as the savior of the world the savior from sin notice what Luke says in Acts The fifth chapter, verse 31. God exalted this man to his right hand, a prince and a savior, to give repentance to Israel and deliverance from sins. Deliverance from sins. Now, the writer to the book of Hebrews acknowledged the inability of the old sacrificial system to completely take away sin. While the animal sacrifices could never completely take away sins, he affirms the ability of the priest who gave himself to save completely to perfect sanctification we note that those who deny that sin is removed in this life have revoked God's exaltation of the Christ as Savior in the here and now. You know, I am so concerned as I share this with you. I want to be very clear with you. These issues I'm trying to address are life and death. Do not be casual about this. 
the great danger is self-righteousness where we think that we are okay in the midst of our sin because we go through the religious rituals Easter is coming and many people are going to come to church I call them Easter lilies I love them but I call them Easter lilies they show up once a year at Easter and churches add on wonderful services and in those wonderful services where they pack the church out two three four times they're told they're saved they're not told to repent they're not told to weep for their sins they're told God loves you unconditionally you're saved believe the good news and go back and live your worldly life and come back Easter Lily next year we like seeing you and then there are of course the poinsettias they just show up at Christmas time they like to go to a Christmas candlelight mass so churches pack them in And they are vaccinated against the gospel of Jesus Christ and told that they are loved unconditionally and that they're saved and they're on their way to heaven while they're children of hell, loving everything of darkness. They've never been crucified with Christ. Oh, but they're very self-righteous and they know what they believe and they will argue to the point of anger and bitterness that they are right that jesus loves them unconditionally god never loved anybody unconditionally that word is not found in scripture the scriptures tell us he has unfailing love that's much different unfailing love is for those who will repent For God so loved the world that he gave his one-of-a-kind son that whosoever would believe in him. But oh, today we have this wicked belief that there is a limited number of people who can be saved. And of course, everyone who teaches this believes that they're one of the saved. Self-righteous bigots, brood of snakes. That's what Jesus would have called them. It's very troubling to me. Look, if you've been taught something that is a lie, I understand that. But if you are a teacher of lies, you are in a great deal of difficulty with God. And if you are teaching those lies in order to maintain the attendance and the cash flow of your social organization that you call a church you are in great trouble with God with the Father with Jesus and you will face the judgment and you will not enter into heaven you will die in your sins so God exalted Jesus as a prince and a savior do we dare 
tamper with the office of the Son of God and tell our people that the power of the blood has been lost, that it cannot completely take away all sins in this life, that the power of Jesus cannot save his people, but we must wait until we die, and then death saves us? Really? Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Messiah, is our Savior, meaning he brings to us salvation and freedom from the bondages of Satan. Righteousness is real. It is not positional fiction. We are called to live free. Now, please help me understand something, would you? How could you or any other person argue that you must continue in your sin until the day you die? Is sin such a thing to lust after? Does sin bring comfort to our heart? Does sin restore the peace of God to us? Of course not. The only thing that will bring the peace of God into a man's heart is if he's crucified with Christ. He has given up his life. He has said, I will follow you, Jesus. And he walks free of his wickedness. He is transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Now we talk about peace. Matthew one twenty one. I quote, and she will bring forth a son. This is the angel speaking. She will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus. Mark it well. He himself will save his people from their sins. So Jesus is a savior. And he saves his people. Jesus has been declared by the angel to be a savior. He is in reality the savior. He must, if he is savior, save us from our sin. It is not possible for him to be a savior and at the same not at the same time not save us. That would be like a reformation in which nothing is reformed. Jesus is actually the savior. And the savior actually saves in real time, in real life. Now, again, what excuse would you make to remain in your sin? I spoke to a man last night. He's listening today to the broadcast. I won't name him. I don't want to embarrass him. But he said to me, I have fallen back into sin, Pastor. I stopped him right there. 
I said, no, you have not fallen back into sin. You turned and denied Jesus as your Savior, and you chose voluntarily to jump back into your sin. And he said, yes, Pastor, you're right. I did it to comfort my heart because sin comforts my heart. And I was wrong. And I am repenting. That man is not far from the kingdom of God. (laughs) So in what sense is Jesus the Savior? Well, he's declared to be the Savior from sins. Jesus is pictured in this passage that I just shared with you out of Matthew one twenty one. He is pictured as the one who can remove sin from us. Now, the only possible reason that I can imagine that you would be shy of losing your sin and letting Jesus take it is that there is a crucifixion you must endure. The crucifixion is the only way by which you can be set free of your sin. You cannot maintain your life and be in Jesus Christ. You cannot be in Chicago and New York at the same time. You're either in Chicago or you're in New York. You are either in Christ or you are in sin. You cannot be in both. Now, if I don't want to be crucified, I have the option of maintaining the sinfulness of my life and working on it in a self-improvement kind of way and going to workshops and strategy sessions for how I can overcome some aspect that I'm bothered by of my heart. I can go to a sexual addiction class and perhaps finally be able to leave pornography or I can go to a sexual addiction class and stop fornicating I can go to a a class on money management and stop wasting money. I can deal with addiction. But may I say this to you, please? All addiction is sin. It's a sin problem, not an addiction problem. And that addict has to be crucified with Christ. I know many people who go to AA and they say, nope, I'm an alcoholic the rest of my life. Yes, you are if you walk in the humanism of flesh. But a person who is an alcoholic and he comes to Jesus Christ, he dies, he is crucified with Christ, he is a new creature in Christ, he is no longer an alcoholic. He has been set free. He has been washed by the blood of Jesus. Would you so denigrate the blood of Jesus as to say he does not have the power to release you and make you into a new creature? So many of you listening to this broadcast want to continue your very religious life. But you don't want to be crucified. That's the issue, isn't it? Be honest. There is no problem with the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. There is a crucifixion problem. That's the problem. There's a sin problem. 
and we don't want to confess and we don't want to repent and we don't want to humble our heart and we can pretend to be very religious and we're on our way to heaven. What a lie. Well, we're out of time for today's broadcast. Please consider these things that I've said and read carefully the scriptures. Read carefully Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. Chapter 8 is the normal life of the Christian. Now we're coming to the end of the month, and by God's grace, we are just $700 short now. I would ask that you would quickly contact me by mail and send your offering or your tithes that would cover this cost. It's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I don't want to do an offertory day. I want to teach the Word of God, but I need to hear from you if you value this testimony of godliness. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. I love you, my brother, my sister. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.